Our first reading comes from Zephaniah chapter 3. Therefore wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day when I rise up to seize the prey, for my decision is to gather nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out upon them my indignation, all my burning anger, for in the fire of my jealousy all the earth shall be consumed. For at that time I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech, that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshippers, the daughter of my dispersed ones, shall bring me offering. On that day you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst your proudly exultant ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. But I will leave in your midst a people humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord, those who are left in Israel. They shall do no injustice and speak no lies, nor shall there be found in their mouth a deceitful tongue, for they shall graze and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Please Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, what is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is in our peace, and has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the laws of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens, the saints and members of the household of God. This is the word of the Lord. Please rise. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray that last verse we just sang. O grant, dear Lord of love, that we receive rejoicing, the word proclaimed by John, our true repentance voicing, that gladly we may walk upon our Savior's way until we live with him in his eternal day. Amen. During these Advent midweek services, we've been talking about different comings of Christ, so the first Week, two weeks ago, we talked about Jesus' coming on the last day. Last week, Pastor Walther talked about Jesus coming to each and every one of us. This week, we talk about Jesus coming, and that he not only comes to us, but he comes to others as well. And so, to be clear, Jesus comes to others. He comes to them the same way that he came to us which is to say that he comes through his word. Other people spoke that word to us. We didn't come 
upon it ourselves. We didn't intuitively know it. We had parents, grandparents, pastors, or friends. They spoke it among themselves and others. We also speak it among ourselves and others. And you know, when it's said that way, when, when Christ comes through his word, that this is both common in that it happens every day, and yet at the same time, it is miraculous as the Holy Spirit uses these living words of God to convert people who are dead in their sins and trespasses. And the Spirit brings them to life, breathes into them to make them living believers. It's a transition from death to life. And that is miraculous. That is what has happened for us. Another way that Paul puts it is, as we heard in our epistle reading from Ephesians chapter 2, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. And that is truly great and glorious news. It is good news. And so for those of us who recognize it as good news, of course we want others to get in on this. If you believe that the gospel is true, in all that it entails, the forgiveness of sins, reconciliation with God, eternal life, if you believe that to be true, then who wouldn't want others to know and believe? And so naturally, there has been much discussion in the church down through the ages about how to best spread the good news of the life and the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ to others. And in more recent history, we've had different things like programs or techniques, or we train people in different ways. These have all been tried, uh, the hard sell, the soft sell, or sharing the message, or having different questions that we want people to think about and answer for themselves. And all of those may have a place but at the same time, I think that that kind of thing just rubs many people the wrong way. If for no other reason, then it is contrived. And it's not to say that people have bad intentions when they're using them, but even if a salesman thinks that what he has is in your best interest, there is still something off-putting about this tactical approach of doing something as simple as speaking to others, speaking to people. At one point, the Apostle Paul says that he does not speak with excellent speech or wisdom or persuasive words. And he says that he does not do that because he doesn't want people to look back and think that they got into the faith because of some method of human wisdom, because of a sales pitch or anything like that. And instead of contrived ways, I think that the biblical way, stated bluntly, is simply this. Speaking the truth, that's not a gimmick, it's not a plan, it's not a tactic, it is simply saying what has been revealed to us by God through his word. We repeat what we have learned and heard in God's word. And if you think of it that way, there, there's a freedom for us that comes with that. 
Just as when we teach children about telling the truth, one of the ways we do this is by teaching them about the dangers of lying and that one of the big problems you can run into is keeping your story straight. The more you expand upon a lie, the harder it becomes to know what you have or haven't said and who you said what to, and eventually it will come crashing down. Truth will out. So we tell kids the best way is to simply speak the truth from the beginning. Then you don't run into those kinds of problems. Then you don't run into a hard time remembering. You're just saying what actually happened. So also with the Word of God, when Paul said that he did not use excellent words or human wisdom, he contrasts that with what he does do. He says, I determined to know nothing among you but Jesus Christ and him, and him crucified. That's what happened. So that's what Paul preaches. This is not to say that we don't think about the word or we don't think about what we say or, or, or what it means. But there is a freedom to knowing that we simply speak the truth. In Peter's first letter, he says, In your hearts honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. There's no contrivance there. He didn't offer tactics. He says, when you're asked, state why you have the hope that you do. Say what it is that Christ has done for you. A few verses later in that chapter, Peter gives us an example. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. And that's it right there. And yet as simple as that statement is, since it is the truth, there's also a bluntness to it. And since it is the truth, it it talks about realities like sin, the reality of Christ dying on the cross, the reality of being reconciled to God through Jesus. There's also a bluntness in the way that Paul says it in our epistle reading today. And he says outright, remember that you Gentiles were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Whatever you want to say, that is not a soft sell. It's not a sell at all. Paul simply says that outside of Christ, there is no hope. Outside of Christ, you are without God in the world. And furthermore, not not only is it not a sell, neither is it a brag. As if Paul were thinking and saying that he were better than anyone who was outside Paul is always very clear that he gets in to God's good graces only through Jesus Christ. And so he extends that to others. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now people can hear that kind of word and do with it whatever they want. They can believe it 
they can reject, on, reject it, they, they can mull it over it, whatever. But they have heard the truth. The truth has come to them. As Jesus says when he sends out the 72, the kingdom of God has come near. In our Old Testament reading from Zephaniah chapter 3, Zephaniah talks about the day when the Lord comes. He says, For at that time I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech, that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. That is what Christ calls us to when he says, Let your yes be yes, and your no, no. The words of God are pure speech. Those words are what brought Christ to us, into our hearts. We have heard them, so we speak them. We tell the truth. Amen.